We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This thing on? See, now I'm getting mad. Because it's getting ready to be on. I want my whiskey to bite me a little bit. This is the kind of psychopath that I hang out with. I got beat up outside of a Denny's. The Rockpile Report with Buffalo Bills season ticket holder, Drew Gear. He likes to get in the ex's nose. Something I can't do with this podcast because I drink too much. Chris Kruger. My rollerblading blonde mohawk producer. The pettiest, hardest drinking Bills podcast. I'm an adult. I know what I'm about. we're going to see it again is Buffalo, Kansas City. Yeah. But the unique thing is there's a good chance the next time we see it, it's going to be in Buffalo. And when you start doing the math, I think they're 11 and 2 at home in their last 13 games. It'll be cold. That's a hard place to play now, buddy. I mean, you go into that stadium and oh my gosh, it's difficult. And and that's the significance of yesterday's game. Everybody to another edition of the Rock Pile Report podcast. I am your host, Bill Season Ticket Holder Drew Gear. That's my producer Chris Krueger, and that was Sean Payton, former head coach of the New Orleans Saints, on his weekly appearance with Colin Cowherd. Chris, where can people go to find the whole interview? Well, I mean, it's in podcast form now. It was on it was Monday on the Herd on FS1. But we were literally arguing before we went live yeah. with this that uh, I don't listen to that damn show. I don't know what it's called. Yeah, because he was like, "What's you the name do. of this show?" It was like, "So the Herd with Colin Coward." It's been that way for literally as long as we've been a podcast, and the amount of times that we have used something that Colin has said or a guest on his show has said, and the amount of times that you have said. The only reason I'm Colin even, Cowher, uh, the herd with Colin Cowherd, the herd with Colin Cowherd. The only segments of that show that I've ever listened to in full form are either when Bill Burr is on it or when Tyler Dunn is on it. That's because I like Tyler. I mean, it's funny they're both bald. I like them both. They're identical. <laughs> Obviously, they're bald, so they're the same person. No, it's. You you love where would you rank Colin Cowherd in your like I listen to the Colin Cowherd show 
For like national radio hosts? No, in terms of everything you listen to on a week-to-week basis. See, this is one thing I've noticed. Everybody has a rotation of shit they listen to. It's Except for me. I think I just, maybe it's my ADHD. I don't know. I'm very scattered. So I just listen to whatever feels good in the moment. But for you, you love this show enough that you commit it to your weekly rotation. Where does it fall amongst everything else you listen to? So being that when I am at work, I have headphones on the entire time I'm there. So Mm -hmm. I'm always listening to something. So Monday, here it is. Monday and Tuesday, people... we might we might get people uh, tweeting at us uh, or unfollowing us now that what I'm going to say because it's, people will be offended. So here's the rotation for Monday, Tuesday. This is the exact order that I'll listen to. Number one, I'll listen to Ben Shapiro. Then I'll listen to <laughs> Overdrive on TSN from the, their afternoon show that's from 4 to 7. And then I'll listen to Cowherd from that day. And then I'll listen to Clay Travis and Buck Sexton. That's repeat, Monday and Tuesday. Then Saturday, I'll listen to Ben Shapiro from Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, 32 Thoughts, After the Whistle, Bootleg Football Podcast, and then depending on the guests, the Sports Illustrated Sports Media Podcast or Sports Media Podcast with Richard Deich. And then Sunday is mostly comedy. Depending on if Joe Rogan has a comedian on, I'll listen to that. Tuesdays with Stories. Anything Better. Anything uh, Better is great. Yeah. Uh, mm, you turn me on to that. YKWD. <laughs> you know what, dude, with uh, Robert Kelly. Um, and then after usually... It's all full because, oh, and Colin Coward's podcast, I'll listen to that too. That goes in on Saturday. But then I'll have so much, I'll have more than 12 hours of listening in my playlists that some of the sports podcasts have to carry over until, until, into uh, Sunday. That sounds painful. Like to have a set schedule that you have to adhere to. Most of what I listen to is just what does it make me laugh? Because if it doesn't, I don't listen to it. But I don't listen to podcasts. I think that's why people listen to our podcast, Chris. I don't listen. It's because, they, Chris, they're not coming to us to be educated. No, no. They're not you, coming to us to, uh, what, what, because we're going to make a lot, uh, we're going to make a whole boatload of salient points as I'm on my ninth Montucky. Yeah. We're, we're, we're veritable geniuses over here. Yeah. I never, and I, in the car, I never listen to a podcast unless it's a road trip. Over, over an hour of drive time, I will, Probably put on a podcast. I love this about you. You you're so like you're so by the numbers. I don't know what it is. Like you you need so much structure. For me, it's just does this make me laugh? Well, then I'll go down a rabbit hole with that until I tire out of it. And if not, then I'll find something else that makes me laugh. There we go. We were both talking about Shane Gillis. Shane Gillis makes me laugh. There we go. I'm down a rabbit hole. We're all getting canceled here today. Yeah, it'll be fine. Doesn't matter what I like. What I like though is that I don't know anything about Colin Coward. I don't care what he says. I don't listen to Talking Head XYZ. Do you make me laugh? I'm in, right? Unless you have something flattering to say about my football team, I don't want to listen to it most of the time. 
unless I'm mad at my football team, in which case I'll listen to whatever you have to say. Like, I'll go find out a pod when someone's like, oh, here's what's wrong with the Buffalo Bills. And I'll go, I'll listen to 15 minutes of this. Do I take most any of it to heart? Probably not. But I just want to hear it. I just want to hear if that cranky asshole sounds like me. And at the same time, when the Bills do well, I want to see, do these excited talking heads sound like me or am I smarter than them? Because if not, I don't need to hear them. It's an amazing time to be a Bills fan because we're on top and I'm still stuck here trying to figure out who should I be listening to. I'll tell you this, for those of you tuning in right now, we're somewhere in the middle. <laughs> maybe you listen, maybe you don't, maybe you should, maybe you shouldn't. This I mean, is your either way, this is your week six recap. The Buffalo Bills twenty-four, the Chiefs twenty. Here's your stats of the game. Patrick Mahomes, 25 of 40, 62%, 338, two touchdowns, two picks, three sacks, 85 rating. Josh Allen, 27 of 40, just two more completions. 67.5%, 328, three touchdowns, no picks, one sack, a 117 rating. Von Miller, nine pressures, seven hurries, two sacks, Four run stops and two tackles for loss. That's a Madden stat line, isn't it? It is. The Kansas City offensive line, right tackle, right guard, and center, allowed two sacks, 13 pressures, and nine quarterback hurries. Wide receiver Isaiah McKenzie, five targets, two catches, nine yards. Tied for second most targets on the team. Stephon Diggs, 2021 stats against Kansas City, five catches, 11 targets, 76 yards. Sunday, in one singular game against Kansas City, 10 catches, 13 targets, 148 yards, and a touchdown. Kansas City rookie outside corners, Josh Williams and Jalen Watson. Watson was a perfect 6-for-6 target-to-reception-allowed ratio for 62 yards. Williams, 7 targets, 5 catches, 93 yards, and 2 tutties. Kansas City running backs, 43 total yards, 4 first downs. Devin Singletary, 85 yards, 5 yards per carry, 3 first downs. What a football game. What a football game. I stormed out of our break room on the, I think it was the, no, it was after the fumble. And the Chiefs picked up fourth and goal. (laughs) <laughs> and got a new set of downs. I went, fuck this. And I walked out and I went back to doing my job. And then I came back like 10 minutes later. And some guys in the break room were like, yeah, Elam picked off Mahomes <laughs> in the end zone as soon as he walked out the door. Oh, so you were the mush this time. Yeah. Ah, how's it feel? Felt great. <laughs> got a win. What a weekend, folks. I finally finished moving into my new house. We are officially closed. Life is good. Moving stinks. If I ever have to do it again, it'll be because I'm moving into a refrigerator box in an alley as a homeless person. I'm not completely unpacked, but living out of boxes beats trying to live out of two houses at once. Right? Mm Mm-hmm. The kids are already enjoying the fruits of my labor, which is fine. Like, just the the space of the house. The fact that there's, like... Did you get gates for the stairs? No, I'm going to let him run. You're going to let Jack fall down the stairs? No, he'll just learn. He'll just learn. 
a narrative that <laughs> I don't even want to get into it yet. Oh, they're just they're very much like the whole process. Moving is so stressful. I feel like these last few podcasts have sucked because I've been under so much stress <laughs> trying to juggle the moving and the closing and the, 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 the j- just all the machinations that go along with that process. We've done over, I think, 450 podcasts. And never once have I pressed stop and you go, that went well. It's usually, I hate that. Your negative Nancy. This is true. So you can imagine how I feel about this entire moving process. I'm literally going to grab a fresh Montucky before I'm done with this one. So, fast forward to Sunday. Sunday's the day where I'm like, all right, everything's done. I'm giving my trailer back to my father, this trailer that my father-in-law lent me back to him. I'm getting the last of the stuff out. I'm dropping the keys off. The final walkthrough's already done. They've already approved it. They're going to sign the paperwork in the morning. I'm going to have a couple beers with Drunk Todd over the fence. Just to let him know, like, hey, I still love you. Let's exchange numbers. I won't be a stranger. I'll come over here and booze the yard and Uber home. It'll be fun. In fact, it'll be more fun now that my wife doesn't know where to find me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) This will be great. So all this is going on, and then we go to a watch party. I meet my wife and kids at a watch party at Mark Smith's house. Outdoors. Elite fall weather. This is the second year in a row that he's hosted Bill's Chiefs at his house outdoors on screens. First of all, tell me that Mark isn't kind of sweet for being able to pull that off. Yeah, I remember, well, last year it was a Sunday night game, and I remember, it's like, great, I'm going to leave work, go home, shower, I'll get there by kickoff, two marks, and then I ended up crushing my key fob for my car <laughs> somehow at work. And what an idiot! Yeah, what a I, loser! I don't even need to drop for the drop for that. Yeah, that's hilarious. And I had to call my old landlord at the time because he had a key to my apartment, and he also works with me, so he knows where to find me. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah, you did show up late to that, and then yeah. you left when you were like, oh, wait, this is going to be delayed, and you're all just getting hammered, and I can't drink because i got to work tomorrow? Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you bailed. But it was another one, and Mark was nice enough to rig up multiple TVs to their own antennas that he bought on Amazon, so the signals would be synced up so that there was no spoilers, which you know that. You know how that goes. Like, one's hooked up to the satellite, one's not, and then there's like a 10-second delay. Yeah. We literally did fireworks after the game. But there was fireworks throughout the day. (laughs) In the game, at halftime. So listen, before I I tell you guys this story, because we believe in doing honest radio, I have to tell you that Sunday, it was full of highs and lows for me professionally. Personally, uh, here's a podcast. It, uh, I, all I can do is say this. It starts with a simple song to a young man in a well. There's a hole in my heart as deep as a well for that poor little boy who's stuck halfway to hell. Though we can't get him out, we'll do the next best thing. Then go on TV and sing, sing, sing. We're sending our love down the well. All the way down. We're sending our 
<laughs> so my son fell down a well this weekend during Jack. My son Jack fell down a well at Mark Smith's house during the Kansas City Chiefs football game this weekend. I think it might be part of the reason, dude. I'm just I'm drinking heavily just thinking about it. Like I'm playing catch with my son. Mark has an old well that's been out of use ever since they connected his old Victorian house to public water. Got a heavy iron lid on top of it. By Mark's own admission, it's been there for years. They've never touched it. His dogs run on top of it all the time. He's walked over it. He's hit it with the lawnmower and it hasn't moved. I'm playing catch with Jack and he runs across the top of it and almost like a like the spinner on a pinball machine. It just whoop. And with two hands in the air, I watched my kid fall down a well. <laughs> Oh, God, I wish I was there for it. I, it was just me, one lady, who I don't even know the fucker. I don't even know what her fucking name is. She was right there. Did she call CPS? No, she ran and got everybody else, thank God, because someone had to pull me out of the well. <laughs> because, like, it was all a blur. I watched my kid fall, and then I ran. Like, next thing I know, I'm waist deep in a well <laughs> and I look down and my son's in there probably about seven feet down God. standing on top of a wooden platform with a little bit of water around his ankles he's obviously upset yeah <laughs> we all make fun of my long arms the ape index if you will yep oh uh, it was one of those things like I just the last like I just remember like I, I saw him fall and next thing you know, I'm halfway down this pipe with my kid in my hands, pulling him out of it. Because there's people helping, like, there's, she's pulling me out of the pipe with my kid. And to his credit, like, you think about that. Your kid fell six, seven feet down a well. That's a seven foot drop. Mm -hmm. You laughed when I told you earlier off air when I was like, my son fell down a well this weekend. Yeah, it's still funny. And you were like, how did you reach him? How did I reach him? I just went down the well. <laughs> what else is there to do? You, you get in there. And he cried. But he was OK. He's a tough kid. And the thing for me was just the fact that here's my son. He's crying. He's upset. And I ask him, I go, buddy, are you hurt? And he grabs me and goes, no hurt. No hurt, daddy. Just scared. Just scared. <laughs> and I was like, this kid, this kid, this kid just. <laughs> Chris, it's one of the most terrifying things, but also it doesn't register in the moment. Yeah. Like if you sit here in my seat right now and think back to it. What what just occurred is an atrocity. And at the same time, it still has. That's why I'm able to laugh at it. That's why we're talking. We're playing Simpsons. <laughs> kids falling, sending our love down a well. Because you, I, I guess it's one of those things where if you let it, I don't know, if you let it eat at you, I've learned something. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Keep an eye on your kid. But also, it's one of those things where things could have gone wrong and they didn't. And I just, I, I'm incredibly blessed by A, nothing going wrong, and B, the fact that, 
my son's a tough kid. Like, of course, obviously, he went to daycare and just all day was like fell down a hole. Hole in the ground, fell down. <laughs> so my wife had to tell everyone my kid fell down a well on Sunday. Poor Larissa. She was inside warming a bottle up for Tommy. I almost didn't want to tell her what happened. Would you have lied to her in that scenario? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Would you have lied to her about whether or not your kid fell down a well? Yeah. She would have been like, oh, I fell down a hole, Mommy. And she'd be like, what you talking about? N- nothing. Nothing. He's crazy. No, he left the seat up on the toilet. Fell in that type of hole. I guess I'm just, first of all, I'm incredibly lucky. Second of all, who knew that spending a lifetime getting into and out of every absurd manner of trouble would hone your fight-or-flight reactions perfectly for being a parent? Chris, when's the last time you ever looked at me and go, said to yourself, that's a guy who should be a dad? No, no point in my life. And yet, look at us now. Look at me now. And so out of that, out of that whole fiasco, which obviously Mark feels terrible about, and I kept telling him his wife, I go, listen, this this type of stuff happens. Let me ask you this. Are you going to sue him and use him as your attorney? (laughs) Hire Mark Mark to sue Mark? Yeah. That's hilarious. Mark the attorney to sue Mark. Mark obviously feels terrible. Sue Mark the peasant. (laughs) Here's what I think. I think the football gods looked down and said, you know what, Drew, <laughs> you've had a day and you deserve one here. <laughs> so they gave me the best finish to a football game I've seen in a long time and just a wild celebration. I, Iman's watch thought he was doing cardio based on his heart rate over the last two to three drives of the football game. Which we followed up with beers and s'mores afterwards and just another epic fall Buffalo against Kansas City matchup. (sighs) Chris, all kids falling down a well aside, I couldn't have asked for a better Sunday. (laughs) I mean, I got... Which sounds like a ridiculous thing to say out loud. Yeah, I got home from work at the two-minute warning. So I was able to see the uh, the final two minutes of the game. As we're recapping this thing, I want to get my bitches and gripes out early. Like, I don't know about you guys. We're 20 minutes into this. Yeah, I know. <laughs> when I was a kid, Chris, and they, like, if you were having something good for dinner, but then it was served with something crappy, wouldn't you eat the bad thing first? No. Like Brussels sprouts. Well, I actually like Brussels sprouts now as an adult. But as a kid, like lima beans. Beans you can fire into the sun along with Brussels sprouts. But so if you got served those with like a nice piece of meat as a kid, you'd be like, well, I'll choke these down first just so that I can savor the meat later. I don't know if I was that smart as a kid. I was. I did the math pretty quick. I would woof that shit down. Like, you'd put as much salt on it as you could, and you would just hammer it. Why? Because I need this gone so I can enjoy the the flavors of the thing I like. That's what we're going to do here with this podcast. We're going to eat all the bullshit early so we can enjoy the sweet stuff later. The game was not all roses, despite what people who get mad at me on fucking Twitter might think. Like, you can criticize a team that won a game. You can. And you... You can also point to good things a team that lost did. I don't understand what's gone wrong with people's brains. But 
let's talk about this. McDermott's and Frazier's situational coaching, they literally got a mulligan on the thing that screwed them last year. They got a mulligan on it. I put out a tweet shortly after halftime about how Sean McDermott and Leslie Frazier had learned nothing from last season. And it was met with a lot of vitriol, which, Chris, do you think I tweet these things thinking that people are going to find them popular? No, I don't. No, think, I, don't I don't expect you people to like the things that I put out there. We'll need a. We'll need to hear from uh, our attorney. Mark has Sunday Drew ever tweeted out something in with positivity? No, <laughs> absolutely not. Well, no, that's not true. Well, yeah, I guess because if I'm celebrating it, it's like Yelp reviews. If I'm happy about the thing, I don't review it. If I go to a restaurant and I get great service, I don't leave a review. But if you spit in my food and there's hair all over the toilet seat when I go to take a leak, like, I'm sorry, I'm going to leave. Like, I know I'm not because I'm lazy, but someone else in my shoes would absolutely leave a negative review. Yeah. People only review the negative things. We have to do both negative and positive on a weekly basis. So for me, Twitter is a conduit for all my negative emotions. So I don't have to subject the people around me to them, which I guess I still do sometimes. But they were faced with the like the exact same situation. What, 16 seconds this time instead of 13? I did not catch uh, the going into halftime. They at least squibbed it. Woo! Win! Everyone's like, well, at least they... Fuck you guys. They squib kicked it and then played soft defense with no pass rush. And the Chiefs did what the Chiefs do. They worked their way down the field into, well, and then that's where this whole thing falls apart. 62 yard field goals are not a gimme, are they, Chris? Never. That kick that Harrison Bucker made set the record in Arrowhead. So there were, I, I, I can hear some of this talk about how there was reason to believe that playing soft and just trying to pin them back and hold them back from kick or make them kick a 62-yard field goal, you could make the argument that that's... <laughs> I, but fuck it. It happened. He made it. And what I'm sick of is that after they make it, the camera immediately cuts to Josh Allen. And as I tweeted out after that, I'm sick and tired of these Buffalo versus Kansas City games where... The cameras keep showing us Josh Allen's face, and there's a look on him of just, what the fuck else do I have to do here, guys? I'm doing all the heavy lifting. What more can I do to keep the Kansas City Chiefs at bay? It's it's infuriating as a fan, because it's like that lazy, just passive defense. That will abs- this, te- this is a team that is built to kill you when you do that. So you can't. You can't afford to do it in those moments. Do you think it's a whole different game if the Bills go into the locker room with a lead at halftime instead of the instead of the game tied? Probably. So the fact that they allowed, even just psychologically, the fact that they allowed it to happen just bugs me. And everyone goes, well, you're a bad fan if you don't like the coaching. Do you think that that was smart? <laughs> I mean, what are the odds that what are the odds he makes a 62-yard run? Yeah. I understand. But the fact is you played the exact same type of football that you're lucky that Travis Kelsey didn't get any farther with that last catch before they took their final timeout and kicked the field goal. Because if he did, it would have been like a 50-yarder, in which case you would have been right where you were last year. 
You made this, you got confronted with the same problem and you made the same mistakes you made last time. That tells me you haven't learned. Yeah. It's like that SpongeBob meme. How many times do I have to teach you, old man? That's Sean McDermott and the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah. Maybe we'll, uh, maybe we'll learn uh, when we see him again in the playoffs because that's absolutely happening. The other bitch I have before we get into the dissection is the NFL officiating and just Chiefs fans. First of all, the the officiating in this game was like a box of Franzia. It's terrible and left everybody apologizing to their children for the things that they might have said. Like, that's it. Here's something crazy. The Bills were flagged seven times for just 35 yards. It was only 35 yards. But didn't it feel like more than that? Probably. Like, it felt. It felt worse. It felt like the deck was stacked against us. Right? Surprisingly one-sided, which seems dumb if you consider the Chiefs actually got out of this game with more penalty yardage than the Bills. But I can tell you exactly what drives the narrative that the refs were against Buffalo when you look at the timeliness of these penalties. The Chiefs took five penalties, and the biggest ones either came on first down, like the taunting against Juju Smith-Schuster, or in moments where, while it came to a like a, as a blow to their progress, their drive was still going to continue to go in their favor. That OPI on Travis Kelsey was a huge call in the fourth quarter. The game's tied. Everything's on the line. Everyone's mad about it. But at the same time, it didn't kill you. You still got a field goal out of that drive. For Buffalo, five of their seven penalties were called as the Chiefs were failing to execute third down conversions. Three of them were for defensive holding that gave the team an automatic first down. That feels like bullshit, doesn't it? Yeah. And then you look at the ridiculous trip by Chris Jones that absolutely should have been flagged, which wasn't. I I, I cannot repeat the things in that moment that I said about Brad Allen, or else not only will this podcast get canceled, but my parents and brothers will legally petition the state of New York to force me to change my name so that the statements I've made doesn't tarnish their image or reputation by association. I saw the replay of the trip, and that was egregious. Ridiculous! It's, it, I, it, I'll give it the, uh, the Jackie Childs. It's egregious, ridiculous, preposterous. <laughs> That's what that is. It's unbelievable that that happened right in front of an official, and you could see Allen screaming at that official. Just, what the fuck are you looking at? I'm surprised he didn't knock him out. I In my head, I'm like, I would love it if he just headbutted this guy. <laughs> get kicked out of the... Like, if you're going to give the Chiefs the game, at least get yours. Let let NFL officiating crews everywhere know, you're, you're in line for it, buddy. <sighs> so you look at that. Those things do give you a feeling that, like, you're being targeted by this crew. And they give you anxiety when you watch them reviewing the game-sealing interception. Almost like they're just looking for a reason to fuck you over and take it away from you. But the reality is when you rewatch some of those penalties, okay? Some of them were actually pretty easy to call. Specifically, the holdings by Neil, who I've been calling for some more Saran Neal. Yikes. Yep. <laughs> Including that blown tackle on Juju Smith-Schuster to give them six points. And then you remember how, like, questionable roughing calls have been the talk of the NFL lately? 
Yeah. You remember that the Bills directly benefited from one in order to win a game? Which one? The Ravens game. Yep. So maybe it's not that they're trying to screw us. Maybe it's that, I don't know, NFL refs just stink. And there's no grand conspiracy against everyone. Maybe they're all just really bad at this job. But then I see Chiefs fans crying about how they feel like they got screwed. I'll see them in hell. Them, Chris Jones, uh, Jeff Fisher, who else? Bill Belichick, Brian Cox. We're all going to have a big tea party down at... <laughs> it's going to be great. Montucky cold snacks for everybody. <sighs> so now we can talk about the Buffalo Bills, Chris. And the defensive line had... This was a coming out party. Do you remember... And do you guys listening to this podcast remember how excited we were back in 2020 when Brandon Bean went out into free agency and completely rebuilt the defensive line? Yeah, this is the second time he's had to do it. He brought in Vernon Butler and Quinn and Jefferson. He brought in Mario Addison to pair with Jerry Hughes. He brings in Sam linebacker A.J. Klein to take on the Shaq Lawson role after he left in free agency. That team was supposedly built for big moments, and those signings were going to add juice to the Bills' pass rush. Everyone kept, everyone goes, oh, Q. Jeff is great. His pass rush win rate and this number, and Vernon Butler is huge. He's going to be great. They're going to be harder to run against, and they're going to give our offense opportunities to pull away from teams on the scoreboard. Do you remember the first time we played the Chiefs in 2020? That was the COVID year here. Yep. I know everybody's probably complaining about why are we always going to Kansas City. Kansas City came here on a Thursday, and it was rainy, and no one could go. No one could go. The defensive line in that game had one sack, 245 yards rushing allowed. The Chiefs had 466 total yards. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire was averaging four yards before contact. That unit that we paid out the ass for got completely dominated, embarrassed, bullied. If it wasn't for Justin Zimmer, who made a couple game-saving plays in that game, like, it's all over for us. We lose that football game far worse than we actually did. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This time around, 
with yet another reimagined defensive line put together after a wild free agency period, the result couldn't have been more different. And the evidence of that is written all over the scoreboard and the stat sheet. 12 rushes by the Chiefs running backs and quarterbacks for less than three yards. Seven negative plays forced by our linebackers, Edwins and Milano, who were kept clean for maybe the... Chris, have they not been showing out more than ever before in their careers? Yeah. It's because the defensive line's finally doing work. Mahomes was rattled by our pressure. He was pressured on 22 of his 47 dropbacks for four, for a 46% completion percentage and threw both of his picks when he was pressured. Buffalo only blitzed nine times. So they were selective with it. And like he did nothing against the blitz, but it was primarily just four guys rushing against Patrick Mahomes, sometimes three guys. And they got it done. Now, I'll talk about the structure in a second because it's one of the highlights of this entire game, but all of this, getting major pressure without blitzing, that's your defensive line. And even when it doesn't result in sacks, the disruption is gorgeous. I mean, cover one is some great clips of the defensive line in action. One of my favorites that pretty much encapsulated the entire ass-kicking that Mahomes and company got from people not named Von Miller. Third and seven, Mahomes is in the shotgun. He takes the snap, and Jordan Phillips literally takes one hand, jams it into Trey Smith's neck, and walks him as the guard backwards directly into Mahomes' lap. Now, Rousseau and Von Miller are on the edges, so there's nowhere for him to roll out. So he has no choice but to try to just tippy-toe and throw. And he's throwing the ball five yards downfield into the dirt, seven yards short of the intended wide receiver. They have to punt. Game-changing plays. And then multiple times, our defensive tag in the red zone, Jordan Phillips pressures Patrick Mahomes out of the pocket. He tries to scramble and gets brought down by our linebackers, and they have to kick a field goal. That's late in the game. <laughs> like, multiple times, the defensive tackles disrupted everything the Chiefs had <laughs> going on offensively. And then they opened holes for our linebackers to shoot through and pressure Mahomes, forcing him to look for passes on the run while everyone else collapsed the pocket. Just like, think about the play, the game-ending interception. That happens because... Three guys somehow destroyed Mahomes' pocket. That's a defensive line. That is proof of concept that if the intent was to field the defensive line that could carry a whole defense against an elite team in the postseason, regardless of who's in your secondary, Bean absolutely got this second chance at a rebuild. He got it right this time. And then what I like is just Frazier and his play calling. Like, this game, Leslie Frazier put on a clinic in terms of play calling. He rolled man concepts and mixed them with zone concepts. He he might have pitched his best game. You can go to Dan Orlovsky's Twitter and find videos of him breaking down some of the best plays by the Bills on Sunday. And what you're going to find out is that Leslie Frazier had a plan that basically said, look, we're going to get here without blitzing, but here's how we're going to do it. We're going to play a mix of, we're going to play zone. Next play, we're going to go man, and we're going to press. <laughs> In this play, we're going to play man, but we're going to meet him three yards from the line of scrimmage. 
And then they're going to play quarters. And then they're, literally he threw nine different, ten different coverages at them throughout the game. He played rock, paper, scissors, Chris, with one of the best offensive coordinators in the NFL in Andy Reid and one of the best quarterbacks in football in Patrick Mahomes and came out on top. Like, that's incredible knowing, look at what he's doing it with. He doesn't have a Micah Hyde. He doesn't have a Trey White. What what does he have, Chris? Let's talk about it. What does he have? A bunch of rookies? Mm-hmm. Benford. <clears throat> did Benford play? Yes. Benford played. Wasn't that the e- excuse we kept Elam. hearing from Chiefs fans in the aftermath of this? Like, oh, well, our team had rookie corners. So did ours. Yeah. You dickheads. We had rookie corners, too. And guess what? They got it done. Yeah. They got the job done in a way that your guys couldn't. Why? Because our core, not because they're so much more. Well, I mean, they are good, but not because they're so much more talented than your guys. But because our coordinator put them in in positions to succeed. Spagnolo on the other side of the field, all he had was blitz. We're gonna blitz, and you know, you see the Mina Kimes tweet where she's like, "Oh my God, J- Josh Allen's zero for seven against the blitz." How long did that last? Uh, right up until just before halftime when he dumped it over the bucket. <laughs> just over the shoulder, bucket throw to to Davis. For the touchdown? For the touchdown. It's just like, okay, your blitzing is only going to get you so far because our quarterback is so athletic. If he escapes you, you're in a lot of fucking trouble. Our coordinator said, hey, listen, I'm not going to try to send extra pressure. I'm going to play the opposite thing. I'm going to do cat and mouse. And I'm going to try to bait you into bad decisions. I'm going to play coverage and just trust that these young kids can be put in a position to succeed. Tell me that that performance right there doesn't make Leslie Frazier a head coach next year. He'll get some he'll get some looks, although I won't be surprised if he doesn't get hired because the Bills will be in the Super Bowl and teams aren't going to want to wait until February to hire somebody. <laughs> For his sake, I hope you're wrong, but also for our sake, I hope you're right. It's funny. There's a point here that I also want to make because what I, I I'm petty and we talk about that, but it's not it's not a joke. When we win a game like this, I go listen to whoever. Like I, I did research to find out who is the best sports radio station in the Kansas City market. Oh, it's 810 WHC or whatever the fuck it is. The program with uh, Chris. Can you give that a Goog since you're my, uh, my Jamie? Uh, it's Kansas City 810 something. 810? And the show is called The Program. I don't know who the hosts were. But I sat there. It was ranked as Kansas City's top sports radio station. So obviously it's like WEI after a Patriots loss. I'm going to go listen to that. Yeah, WA10WHB, the program with whom? Let's see here. I'll have to, I'm still working on it. I got to find their their okay. show, show page. So is I? That guy is really tiny. <laughs> one of them short. One of them is really tall. Yeah. <laughs> Holy! What the hell does this say? Um, it's the most comprehensive and insightful sports show in Kansas City history. Uh, bu- 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 who is Soren Petro? Soren Petro, one of the most experienced broadcasters in the country. Experienced sports broadcaster. Say that five times quickly. Curtis Ten beers. Curtis Seabolt is the other guy that he does the show with. Which Week one day. do you think is which? 
They're both fat dudes, mostly balding with facial hair. The short guy looks like uh, Borat's manager. (laughs) Uh, But the program was good. It was. And while I'm listening to their complaints, because I always like to just be like, what's going on on the other side of the fence after the Bills beat somebody like that? Especially a good football team. They brought up a couple points. First of all, the Kansas City Chiefs' offensive tackle concerns are not unfounded. They have no depth. Andrew Wiley stinks. We all got to see it. He let up nine pressures. The Bills' whole offensive line had 12 pressures for the game. And Wiley gave up nine. And it made me smile because coming into the game, the talk was about Allen versus Mahomes. And in the aftermath, the conversation immediately pivoted to how can the Chiefs fix the roster to keep this from happening again? It's like, well, first of all, you got to protect that guy. Our roster's built like a tank. Yours, you thought it was great. <sighs> but the best point I heard, and I think something that Bills fans can take something away from, was in response to an angry fan from Kansas City who didn't understand why they're running back Pacheco. Despite leading the team in yards after contact, uh, he has a more physical running style. He has hands. I mean, he had more receiving yards than Clyde Edwards-Hilaire in the game. Wasn't a bigger part of the overall game plan. And basically... Saying it without saying it was saying Reed fucked things up by like he lost the game by not incorporating that running back. And the host did an amazing job of calmly walking his audience through this line of thinking that I think everyone in Bill's Mafia needs to hear. Okay. Andy Reed has seen elite running back talent over the course of his career. He coached Brian Westbrook. He coached LaShawn McCoy. He coached Jamal Charles when he first got to Kansas City. That Jamal Charles used to be the thing that powered that Kansas City offense. Yeah. If he sees this kid in practice and then has to go into a game against a ridiculously dangerous opponent where small mistakes get magnified, if he doesn't think that that young player doesn't have it all figured out above the neck yet in all three phases, rushing, receiving, and pass protection then that kid's not going to play just because he doesn't want him to be a detriment to the team with mental mistakes and negative plays. So for the crowd that's questioning why the Bills, in a game where the rush was clearly working, only gave James Cook, who might be the best athlete we have at running back, just two carries, or the people who are like kind of like myself, Screaming about how fuck Isaiah McKenzie, <laughs> how could he struggle so mightily? And yet the Bills don't go more to Khalil Shakir because he saw, I mean, Khalil Shakir in this game, regardless of how bad McKenzie did, he saw fewer snaps and fewer targets than fullback Reggie Gilliam. And you go, wait a minute, how could you do this? This is egregious. You're making a mistake. Well, McDermott's in that same boat. He's coached teams that had Pro Bowl running back talent. Jonathan Stewart, McCoy, Frank Gore, and he's relied on them heavily. He's coached great slot receivers like Cole Beasley. On great teams in big moments, kids don't get run unless they've earned it and unless they've proven they're ready for the moment. And so if those coaches choose not to defer to those rookies... 
Chris, do you think they're correct in doing so? Given the what the moment is. Like, yeah. if that kid makes a mistake, it's one thing if you fuck up in the third quarter against Pittsburgh while you're up by 20. It's like James Cook. He fumbled on his first ever carry, and we never yes. saw him. That's a huge game, huge moment. Huge moment. We you have want, to have this. Guess you what? want the you veterans in in that situation. That's exactly it. The kids don't get run. These games are for veterans because mistakes against Kansas City cost way more than they do against Tennessee in the late second half when you're the only running back on the field. Betting on the wrong horse in that regard can take you from a win to a loss pretty quickly. And so in that way, we as fans need to kind of calm our vitriol towards the lack of inclusion of these young kids because you have to go with guys who know that they know how to do the job. And then just talking about the Buffalo Bills, like the star power on display, like it, it's incomparable to anything I've ever seen, or at least as an adult since I could have a beer Tell me that that wasn't the most talented Bills performance you've ever seen. Well, From start to finish. Considering I and that's without Trey White. Considering I didn't get to watch all of it, I still haven't. I still got to be able to like log into our Game Pass, assuming we still get it at season. Of course over. we do. Because yeah, because I haven't. Now it's NFL Plus. Don't okay. call it Game Pass. It's called NFL Plus. I'm sorry, sue me. We'll we're, have to, we're fancy now. Yeah, before you leave, well, I'll have to have that set up on the computer so I can go back and watch that fucking game. So I can watch games when I'm uh, done with work. But yeah, I mean, God, who is a, we have a ton of stars. You watched like, people flashing at every level of our team. The person that you expected like, to see more of that you didn't was Jordan Poyer. And do you want to know why? Because they basically put him in the Micah Hyde role. They said, listen, we know you don't play free safety much. We're going to ask you to do it so you're not in the box taking hits, given the condition of your ribs. And also the fact that we need someone we can trust, a star on the back end, making sure this team cannot get over the top on us. You know, and he did that job admirably. Speaking of Poyer. What a fucking beast. I wish I knew he was driving to Kansas City. You would have offered? No. Well, <laughs> You would have offered to Uber him? I, I would have I offered it. But if I knew he was driving to Kansas City, I would have had Reed ask him if he could pick up some Blue Note for us. Ah, <laughs> yes. If if Jordan Poyer could have brought me back a bottle of Blue Note. Listen, this Boondocks is going to be good, but you're right. If you could have brought back some Blue Note, yeah, I probably would have set my house on fire yeah. drunkenly, but it would have been fine. Yeah, and for those that just heard Drew say Boondocks, you'll hear about that tomorrow. Yeah, you're going you're gonna to find <laughs> out what that is later. Later in the week. There was so much star power on the field for the Buffalo Bills. It was like watching Von Miller. These were the games. Didn't we say it last week during the Keys to Victory? Yeah, he's a closer. Von Miller's a closer. Well, he, he showed up early and he showed up late. He was everywhere. He's our version of Kenny Powers. It was incredible. You know, you know minus the racisms. Yeah, he's Kenny Powers. <laughs> so... <laughs> He was everywhere. He was doing it for four quarters. And he showed up in big spots, third downs, sacks at the right time. Shoestring tackles when you're like, oh, my God, he's going to get it. Ah, Von Miller. Von Miller saved us. There he is. This is what we paid for. We already saw the returns on that. 
Now the question is, can they manage his snaps for the rest of the year so that he's still that fresh come week 20? Yeah. I don't know, but I'll I'll tell you. Diggs just working those rookies. For the first time in his career, his career in a Bills uniform, he got loose against that secondary. Yeah. He got loose against him. Really made him pay. He was talking shit, too. I loved it. That's the that that's the Stefan Diggs that I love. Where he catches the ball, comes up, and starts talking trash as he's walking away. I love that. I finally got to see it against the Kansas City Chiefs. Josh Allen. Like we 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 really make a point of not taking the low hanging fruit and calling Josh Allen the hero of every single because couldn't we do that, Chris? Yep. We could call Josh the hero of every fucking game. He was unreal. We're going to talk a little bit more about that, but we got to talk about this week's Hero and Zero. It starts, like I said, we want to eat, <laughs> we want to eat the salt-covered bullshit before we get to the the fruits. It starts with the zero, and that's wide receiver Isaiah McKenzie. You folks fell on your face. You get an F minus in my book. Are you coming on my side now with this? There was a joke made. Okay, at one point on Sunday evening, possibly by me, but if my family was listening, then obviously not, because I would never joke about something so serious so soon. But there was a joke made about how it would be nice if a certain Bills wide receiver fell down a well at halftime and wasn't found until after the game ended. He's about the same size as Jack. <laughs> and that wide receiver was Isaiah McKenzie. I, in fact, I remember telling someone, this is why I don't go to Mr.'s Bar every week when Isaiah McKenzie goes out there with Tyler Dunn to record his live podcast. Because after a game like this, I don't know that I'd be, I don't know that I'd be able to not heckle. Chris, you've been with me when I heckled. I did that one involuntarily. I didn't even realize I was doing it. What, a Dan Soder? Yep. Yeah, you heckled. That's why you're not allowed... That's why you and me don't go to comedy shows anymore? I would never invite you to go to Helium with me and Jessica. (laughs) I didn't want that to to be a thing. I didn't want to go with you to that to begin with. Because I knew you would heckle Dan Soder. And you did. (laughs) Hey, listen. 12 beers will do that to you. I don't know. And and it's funny listening to comedians because they're like, here's the problem. Drunk guys, they always think they're helping. They're like, they're always like, eh. No one has ever, no one has ever helped with a heckle ever. Never. So when it comes to McKenzie, I've never seen a player so frustratingly close to making big plays for this team come up so empty as I have him on Sunday. And whether it's directly or indirectly his fault, I, I don't know whether he's completely blameless. He's somehow in the vicinity when bad things are happening. (laughs) He just is. Go back to the start of his career. He was a fifth-round pick of the Denver Broncos, and they cut him because he couldn't stop fumbling the football. The Bills signed him in, what, 2018, when they're just desperate for anybody who would come play cheap? Yep. So then he starts playing here in Buffalo, and he's got some speed. He's a gadget player. You can do a little bit of this, a little bit of that, but he his folk like like things like he's around when bad things are happening. And then you go back to the indie game last year. Mm-hmm. 
the fumble is a kick return. And then you find out on Hard Knocks that the team knew that he was going to fumble. They're like, nah, we just target McKenzie. He's a weak link. Then you go back to Sunday's game, now that they've made him a receiver. He tripped over literally nothing but his own two feet on what should have been a touchdown grab in the uh, on fourth down that resulted in a turnover. He drops a pair of elementary catches. When you compare the act of catching the ball to the route running that it took to get open for them. One of his drops came on third down, forcing a field goal. Uh, what? Uh, one came on fourth down, causing a turnover. And there was a first down from our own goal line. Josh Allen's in the end zone, fighting for his life under pass rush. He finds Isaiah McKenzie. You have an easy first down and you can't convert it. Like, that's... <laughs> What the fuck? And then there's the pitch out, right? There's the pitch out that killed our first drive. Now, I've heard about this from, uh, like, I heard Eric Wood's take on it. I've heard Sal Capaccio's take on it. They go, well, it's on Allen. That's on Josh. For me, the way I look at it is, that's on McKenzie. It's a quarterback option run with an option for either a pitch down, either the pass to which, if you go to our Twitter right now, at Rockpile Report, you can watch a replay. Bruce Nolan put it out. James Cook was going to be open for a pass with four blockers in front of him. Chris, we watched that thing five times. How? How? Yeah. Like, that's a touchdown nine times out of ten, right? Yeah. Yeah, there's a 61 got in the way. Yeah. So the second the defensive end drops into the path of his bubble screen to Cook where he can just easily run to the blockers for a touchdown, Allen decides he's going to run with it. And then he pitches it out to McKenzie. Now, I guess here's my thing. When they put you in the backfield as a running back, this is something you've practiced before. You've seen this. So even if it is a wide receiver screen, fake motion, whatever the fuck it is you're trying to accomplish, you know that at some point of this, Allen might pitch it back to you. The fact that you don't come up with it, like, you just lost it. You can't get caught off guard by the ball being thrown at you because that's the crux of what makes this play dangerous to a defense. We have a passing option to the left to James Cook, low in the formation. He's got blockers. If that pass works, it's an easy touchdown. If they take that away, he has the option to run or pitch it out. That's part of the play. If McKenzie does not have his head on a swivel enough to know that he's in line for a potential pitch out, that is on him. That comes down to focus. Then you go further into the game, running a slick route. You beat your corner and make yourself available to the cornerback, and then you drop the pass and waste an opportunity to get your offense off off its own two-yard line. Focus. He's already looking upfield. You're not focused. The reality is, is that while McKenzie has had some nice plays throughout his, his career as a Bill, I can find double the number of negative plays and mistakes that he's been responsible for. And all of them directly relate to focus. Now, some people want to blame this on his concussion, and I'm not going to argue. Listen, I'm not a medical expert. I, I, I don't know. If you're out there, I expect you to make plays. So if I'm being too hard, sue me. The thing is, he's not a rookie. He's a tenured NFL veteran on his third contract. 
which means I don't know how much more you can expect this dynamic to improve. And that was okay when you were just looking for him to be a speed complement to Crowder. Now he's the guy in the slot. And that's a real problem because not just because it hurts us in terms of his inability to produce, but the fact that he can get open but then not complete a play wastes opportunities for the offense because Josh is going to throw to whoever's open. So if Isaiah McKenzie gets open but then can't catch the fucking ball or can't make a play happen, Chris, doesn't that just kind of crush our offense? Yeah. That's a wasted down every time. Hopefully he can find his way, can show us that he can be the slot guy and show real focus and consistency. But at the same time, I'm also ready to see a much more expanded role from Shakir because they got to find a way to mitigate some of these errors and limit the wasted opportunities that are going to come up on the horizon. I also have a runner-up LVP, and that's James Potter. Mackenzie might have fallen on his face figuratively, but Potter, you fell on your face literally, and I can't, like, it was amazing. I love Potter. For those of you listening, he's one of my best friends. He's the godfather of my child, and I'm the co-best man in his rapidly approaching wedding. We have a lot of similarities, and one of them presents itself whenever we drink. Chris, you do the Irish goodbye everywhere you can, right? 100%. That's the only way to leave any type of party. Potter and I get hammered, and we don't do a goodbye. We do a fucking farewell tour, complete with fireworks sometimes. That's a, I think it's like a Polish goodbye. So Mike Partham and I are standing there. After the, par- after the game's over, we've been standing around drinking, just all of us are reveling in the wind. And we're just kind of laughing while a whiskey-fueled Potter, fresh off a deep baseball argument of some kind... <laughs> He's all fired up about was yelling back across the yard to his fiance, who's been trying to get him into the car. Like she's trying to herd him into the car like a Jack Russell Terrier (laughs) for like 15 minutes. Potter's yelling at her like, I'm coming. And as he's jogging away, he's like, I don't need to be told what to do. And the same turf monster that jumped up and got Isaiah McKenzie, (laughs) he bit Potter. Mike and I saw like we had a front row seat to watching a grown man who just second earlier, like, he'd been acting like he had all of his shit together. He had legitimate air under both of his feet and just did, like, a dolphin dive onto the ground in Mark's driveway. Just a, just a momentum-fueled face plant, and it was awesome. Mike and I laughed about it for almost five minutes. My stomach hurt from laughing, which left me unable to finish my celebratory s'more or my beer for quite a while. The fact that you deprive me of that, that makes you <laughs> also a runner-up here for LVP. And then there's the hero of the game, and I, I think that that, like, we've talked, everyone's going to talk all week about the job the Stars did. Allen, Diggs, Vaughn, and they earned it. They were the best at their craft, but we know that. This week, the hero goes to the unheralded Stars. Here's the deal. I'm the best there is, plain and simple. I mean, I wake up in the morning, I piss excellence, and nobody can hang with my stuff. Uh, you know, I'm just a just a big, hairy American winning machine. Look at the numbers from Diggs and Miller. On each side of the ball, they had statement games. Showed off the reason that they're not only some of the highest paid at their position, but they're also some of the almost well... <laughs> Most well-known players in the game. 
And they also showed why they're wearing a C on their fucking jersey. When you needed them in clutch moments, each of them came through the way you expect a captain of a football team to do, right? Mm-hmm. Dominators. Leaders on the field. Josh Allen. AFC Offensive Player of the Week for a second week in a row. He was electric. Like, that jump... I, I said it. I go. He he hopped over the. He hopped over another member of the of the secondary of the Chiefs. The way that Mario, like in Mario Brothers, when you see those uh, there's the Koopa Troopers with the spiky shell, and you can't jump on them. Mm-hmm. You have to jump over them. I want you to think about this. Eric Reed's six feet tall. Now adjust for the fact that he was trying to tackle him, so he was probably bent down. I'll give him 5'6". Chris, you work with people who are 5'6". Yeah. Josh Allen had a running head start and just leapt over that guy and kept running for another three to four yards. I love to see it. That's ridiculous! That shouldn't happen. And then you watch that last pass, the game like the game-winning pass to Knox. Brilliant throw. He was everything in the bucket. Dr- he's everything we've dreamed of having a quarterback since Kelly was carted off the field in that Jaguars playoff game. But those guys alone couldn't have won this game if it wasn't for the rapidly ascending and underappreciated, at least in terms of this game, talents on this roster. Kyrie Elam, 40 coverage snaps, three targets, 24 yards allowed, and the first red zone interception of Patrick Mahomes' 22 season. Dane Jackson, 44 coverage snaps, five targets, 27 yards, one touchdown saving pass breakup. Christian Benford only gave up like 30-something yards. The last time we played the Chiefs without Trey White, they racked up 600 yards of total offense. This time, still without Trey White, a second-year starter did so well in coverage that they were only targeted what, a rookie and a second-year starter. 7 and 11% of their snaps, respectively. Doesn't that sound like they're doing a good job? Sounds like coaching. And when Mahomes did test them, it didn't go well. <laughs> so Mahomes had no choice but to go back inside, throwing at our nickel linebacker, our cornerbacks, safeties. Those are That's the strength of our team. We funneled Mahomes into doing what we wanted him to do. Our defense for the first time in forever, dictated play to the Kansas City Chiefs because of how well they played. And yeah, they still got their yards. <laughs> because Mahomes is a great quarterback. He's going to continue to shine. But the fact is, is that those guys outside made this all possible. Then you go back to why the rest of the defense worked. Jordan Phillips. It wasn't just the one play I mentioned earlier. Phillips finished second on the team in quarterback hurries. Right? Perfect foil for the outside pressure being brought on by Von Miller. I got a hot take for you. Jordan Phillips is playing right now like the guy we thought Ed Oliver was going to be going into the season. True or false? That is a hot take. Hot take, but isn't there some merit to it? It's a hot take. Jordan Phillips has been more impactful more frequently than Ed Oliver. This year. This year. And how many times has Ed Oliver been on the field? Fair. 
Thank you. <laughs> so down the stretch, this is something to watch. I want to see, is Jordan, because at 30 years old, he shouldn't be out playing him. If he is, then there's a conversation to be had here where everyone's worrying about, well, how are they going to keep Edmonds? I don't know. If Jordan Phillips can outplay, <laughs> if he can outplay Ed Oliver at 30, I don't know. And then Teron Johnson, right? He leads all defensive backs and run stops. He gives up the most yards of any cornerback, but he was also the most targeted because the guys on the outside were doing such a good job. And also, that's where Travis Kelsey lives, is in the middle of the field. Mm -hmm. But he's developed a real knack for reading a quarterback's eyes and driving on the football. And over the last three years, he's become this machine for game-changing plays. Like, he's just a spark waiting to happen for Buffalo. Go back. Pittsburgh interception. Remember that in 2020? Yeah. They're winning. I think it was, uh, we took the lead on that. It was like nine. I think we missed the, we missed the PAT and it was nine to three. Something like that. And then we played renegade and celebrated. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what we did. Baltimore playoff interception. As a rookie, he had the game ceiling interception against Tennessee. So in a game where the defense was like, listen, the offense has done all the work here <laughs> down the stretch. They got us the lead. You guys have to close this thing out. Against one of the highest scoring offenses in all of football. We know it's not fair. We know you've done your job all day. You got to come up with one more big play. It was Teron Johnson stepping up to the plate and making the, the difference. The thing I look at is you need good players to be a playoff team in the NFL. You need great household name gold jacket players if you want to be called a contender. Gold jacket, green jacket, who gives a shit? <laughs> <laughs> but if you really want to hold up that Lombardi at the end of the season, then it just take it takes more. It takes more than just a handful of stars. It takes a cast of impact players beyond just the big name guys that can pick up their play when asked to. And who combined with those stars just become this overwhelming type of effort who can allow you to scrap it out with other provably elite talents and come out on top. That's the difference in this game. When you look at the Kansas City Chiefs against the Buffalo Bills, these teams are so evenly matched. But we had the horses in the second wave and third wave that could step up and make plays when our opponent didn't. You could see it on the field down the stretch. And you can see it now in the win column. And that's why we're on top of the AFC right now. <sighs> what a time to be alive. <laughs> Chris, your final thoughts of the night as we wrap the show up. Final thoughts are exactly with what we led the show with, with Sean Payton. This is why that game was important right now. AFC scheduled to go through Buffalo barring catastrophe there, I put it up there that's the Chiefs schedule just where do you see losses I don't know given the way that they didn't handle our pressure well and the fact that they let us well they're not going to let us they're not going to let San Francisco run the same way they let the Bills run because they're not scared of Jimmy Garoppolo uh, you got the Rams you got Cincinnati Rams aren't shit yeah Cincinnati, 
the Chargers, Chargers the second aren't. time around, if Keenan Allen's available, that's a, a little bit of a different game. Cincinnati, maybe that's interesting. There's a reason both of the like all of these games are at 425. The Chiefs are going to be on national TV a lot. Yeah, none of those games look like the Chiefs are going to lose. No. And it's having that game in hand against them. I am dying for the AFC to run through Buffalo so we can be out there. <laughs> Hopefully, whatever whatever day the AFC title game is, and we get the late one, like the 6 o'clock kickoff. That way, Iman can do brisket. Again, <laughs> we get a full day of cooking out there. I want the AFC to run through fucking Buffalo. Uh, well, we took the first step towards it. I guess where I want to close the show is with this. Over the last few days, a debate has kind of raged around the Internet about whether Allen versus Mahomes is this generation's Brady versus Manning rivalry. It's been talked about online. It's been talked about by talking heads. It's everywhere. It is. Well, I want to say this. It's better. It's impossibly better. Not just because of recency bias. Okay, I'm not just I'm, I'm, I'm not being dumb here. And that's just personal bias. It just is. Tom Brady and Peyton Manning were elite quarterbacks. The best to ever do it right up until now. But when you compare their style of play to Allen and Mahomes, it's like trying to compare Madden 94 to NFL Blitz. We're literally watching Mutant League football compared to what we've seen in the NFL over the course of the previous 12, 12 to 20 years. I don't even know how far back you have to go. This is ridiculous. These guys are both field generals. But, like, I don't know. Like, think about Mahomes. Like, in the face of a ferocious pass rush, Mahomes can buy time with his legs, play Matador for five seconds, find, like, somebody downfield for a strike. Brady couldn't do that. Manning couldn't do that. They didn't, like, physically they were incapable of it. We got to watch Mahomes do this for entire drives, not just once or twice, multiple times throughout Sunday's game. Well, our quarterback is out here throwing passes through traffic that are absolute dimes. Just, Chris, you go back and you look at that pass to Dawson Knox in the corner of the end zone. It's amazing. You go back and you think about the pass to Gabe Davis where he goes, well, they sent the house. Fuck him. I'll stand here in the pocket. I will plant my feet. I don't give a shit who's coming for me. I'm going to loft this thing up there where, like, deep but accurate where only my guy can get it. How frustrating is it as a defensive coordinator when you go, this guy is a moose, so even when we do, just plow him. Just plow him into the ground. I go go back to that Jaguars game in 2018. Yep. The pocket is completely collapsed. He has no ability to get his feet under him, and he doesn't care. He fucking launches it up, and it's Robert Foster taking it to the house for a touchdown. Yep. That's who you're talking about. Tom Brady and Peyton Manning couldn't hold either one of these quarterbacks' jocks physically. That's that's just the truth, right? No, but neither one of them were... Who's going to hurdle another defender? Who? Manning? Is Manning going to jump a defensive player? No. <laughs> they 
Absolutely not. No. Tom Brady. He can't. You know what? I'll tell you why Peyton Manning can't do that. His head is too heavy. <laughs> <laughs> this rivalry is better, and it's more intense because the old guard weren't half the athletes these guys are. And, well, like these guys are easily 70 to 80, maybe even 90% the passers that Brady and Manning were in their prime. You combine that athleticism and the results are absurd. And it reflects just how close these two guys and also by association these two teams are. Look at the net passing yards out of the game when you take in the sack, sack loss yardage. Buffalo had 318, Kansas City had 319. Third down conversions, both teams were 4 for 11. First downs, Buffalo had 26 to Kansas City's 23. They're both, if you look at Mahomes and Allen, they're number one and number two in the NFL today in passes completed of over 20 air yards. Like, with that said, though, the difference in this one is that while Mahomes is a stud, he can't do everything Allen can do. Under pressure, Josh Allen had no interceptions. Tim Holmes is too. In fact, Allen threw a touchdown. Josh led his team with four rushing first downs. He had more than his running backs. He literally just picked his team up and willed them into the red zone in this desperate, dramatic fourth quarter drive with the game on the line. And then used absurd just vision, accuracy, and balls to throw a ridiculous pass to a guy who he goes, listen, I motioned you to get open. I can't see you. I can't see you through this linebacker, but fuck it, I'm throwing it anyway because I. he's got arm arrogance. I'll see these guys in hell and that defender who's in my way. This weekend, our guy got the better of their guy. And, <laughs> and it's because he has things that that guy doesn't have. Now, that only means something until the next time they play, like all great rivalries. But I'll take it. I mean, if anything, I just have a genuine appreciation for the fact that, I don't know, like Batman and the Joker, the AFC has a real rivalry of elite talents again. Maybe the most elite ever. It's more exciting and with bigger fireworks than anything. Chris, more exciting than Kelly and Marino? Yes. Better than Brady or Manning? Yes. Okay. Because our fandom is involved. Yes. And the guy in our jersey was the winner on Sunday. There's a fallout to this, though, that nobody's talking about. And that's what I want to leave you all with as we head into the bye week. I, I don't understand it. No one's adding this to this conversation about the rivalry. Chris, has watching these two play, like, ruined football? No. Us? No. No. Like, they create magic every time they're on the football field together. And so for us as Bills fans getting to watch Josh Allen, like watch these two play, and then watch Josh operate every single week, I know for myself it's ruining NFL football. I can't watch other teams play without, be like I, be I become overly critical. I was moving into my house, and I took a break. I, I didn't watch any of the 1 p.m. games on Sunday because I was still unboxing things and hanging shit for my wife because, Chris, as you know, honey-do lists get long when you're moving. So I I sat down, I'm, I'm on the shitter, and I've got Pro Football Talk open. And I'm just scrolling the headlines because I want to catch up on everything that's going on, who got hurt, what happened, what are, what are the halftime scores. 
And I'm looking at these games going, the Jets and Packers are tied 3-3? Three to three? Like, all of those fans should be refunded. <laughs> what are you talking about 3-3? Three to three? But I've been there. I'm looking at games where I'm like, well, this team stinks. This team is playing down. This team is, what, that quarterback threw two interceptions in the first half and didn't also score a touchdown? Lame. Boo. Tom Brady lost to Mitch Trubisky? What? Look at the Chargers. Look at Herbert. I go, look Look at that Monday night game. I fell asleep and I woke up and I go, how is this game still tied? Justin Herbert, I thought you were good. Joe Burrow. It took him half a game to figure this out. Brady and Rodgers just look old. These guys were just in an NFC title game against each other two years ago. Now, they look ancient. And if I didn't hate Tom Brady with every fiber of my being, I'd almost feel bad for him. Russell Wilson? <laughs> Holy shit! I would rather chug a Seagram's and have you hit me in the face with a rake than watch any more of what's going on in Denver. Chris, don't they have to fire everybody soon? Yeah, I'll get fired. At, Hackett will get fired at the end of the year. But they can't fire Russell Wilson. No. He stinks. <sighs> it's with that that I open this Deadwood Meadery. I promised Kyle Washington. He goes... Drink that mead soon. I told him I was waiting for a key victory. Here we go. We'll be here for the Packer game. Oh, I know. Can't wait. A little bit of mead. That is de- that is delicious. You do have to bring over that beer from Scott from Omaha brought. Yes. We still have to do that. I got, listen, my kid fell down a well. I shouldn't say it like that. I shouldn't be using that as an excuse. Like, hey, I didn't do this because my kid fell down a well. I got distracted. But also, it's the truth. This meat is actually really delicious. There's a cinnamony taste. Eh. It's actually nice. What I do know is we're getting spoiled here. It's like that joke about how a guy has the, like, I've ruined this woman for all other men. Josh Allen has ruined quarterback play for me because now I look at teams who are playing football and I just expect them to look somewhere close to his level of competency and competitiveness. And none of them do. None of them hold up. Not a single one. That's what led us to this victory. This maniac moose of a quarterback who's jumping people and throwing ridiculous touchdown passes through coverage with an arrogance that I used to think was only reserved for Top Gun pilots. When you think about the other savants the Bills have added to this team at multiple levels, and then the rapid growth of the young players that are kind of cap-strapped team turned to for salvation in the secondary at the top of the season, it's almost not fair to be a football team rooting against the Buffalo Bills, is it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> So after wandering football purgatory for almost 20 years, I can say wholeheartedly, we deserve this. This way we feel heading into the bye at 5-1 and one and on top of the AFC, we deserve this. And where else would you rather be than right here, right now? <laughs> the answer is nowhere. And I hope that next week you'll come back here and listen to our preview of 
Packers. Ugh. I had a burp there. See? Professional podcasting. Thank you for picking me up. Yeah. Packers. God. Sunday night football. It's going to be a great tailgate. It's going to be a great week. Enjoy your off week, Bills Mafia. We've earned it. We've made it to this point. We're on top of the world. Let's see where it takes us. This has been fun, but for tonight, Chris, how how far over where you wanted us to go have we run? 25 minutes. <laughs> I love pissing off my producer. Guys, we got to get out of here. I'm Drew Gear. That's Chris Krueger. And this has been your Rock Pop Report. As deep as the well for that poor little boy who's stuck halfway to hell. Though we can't get him out, we'll do the next best thing. We'll go on TV and sing, sing, sing. And we're sending our love down the well. All the way down. We're sending our love down the well. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.